Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Facebook Live post game. That's not on Facebook, but it is for... Uh, now I forget the date. I wanted to start with the actual date of the game we're doing. May 14th, 2010. The Eastern Conference Semifinals, Game 7. Flyers at Boston Bruins. Of course, I called it the Eastern Conference Finals on, uh, on Twitter last night. And that led to just... Oh, wow, yeah, you really are an expert. Idiot. <laughs> My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. So uh, NBC Sports Philly replayed the Game 7 classic of the Flyers 3-0 comeback uh, in that series against Boston. And I just got so into it, I said, hey, let's do a post game." And Kelly agreed. So here we are. Kelly Hinkle. Hello. Man, what a fun... Just... I've seen it a bunch of times. We talk about that run all the time. We reference that run quite a bit. But just watching it back, what what was the thing that stood out to you most about that game? So I don't typically watch rebroadcasts of games just because, I don't know, first of all, nor- in normal life there are other sports things happening. So it's like I don't need to watch reruns of old games that I know the result of. But when I saw that they were playing this game in particular, I was like, yeah, yeah, I need to watch that because I'm in the dark space with no sports. But the thing that really stood out to me watching it back again um, is that it was, I felt all of the feelings again, like the excitement and like the worry and the pure adrenaline that came with watching that game the first time. It was a lot. Yeah. It was more. I had more fun rewatching it than I thought I was going to. It, yeah, I I felt the exact same way. It was I I thought it was silly to rewatch reruns of games. Like uh, we can live without hockey for a few weeks. Everybody, just relax. Uh, nope. You know, as much as I love it, this is our job. So I'm like, uh, I got a few weeks <laughs> off from doing things like post games and having to watch a hockey game when you have to do something, no matter what it feels like work. This I didn't have to do. I didn't realize it was on until like five minutes into the first period and Twitter was just blowing up talking about this game. I was like, oh shit, put it on. And I got into it, man. Like it was, <laughs> I, I don't know. They fell behind one nothing. I was like, all right, all right. And suddenly it's 3-0. Fucking Milan Lucic scores two goals. I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not, like, we were joking around. Kelly's like, I, I think you tweeted something like, you're waiting for commercial breaks to get up and pee. Yeah. Even though you know exactly what happens. <laughs> this isn't a situation where you're going to miss something. <laughs> like, but it was And so- I felt the exact same way. I was like, I'm not jinxing this thing. The way the world is now, mm-hmm. I don't know how this is going to end. History isn't real anymore. There aren't facts. <laughs> no, they could just, you know, after the fact, change the result of this entire series. And then what will we do about it? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100%. And that's, I've watched Super Bowl 39 where the Eagles lost to the Patriots enough thinking, there's no way they lose this game. I know what they're going to do here. They're going <laughs> to score it and go ahead two scores and that's it. And then they run the clock out at the end of the first half. And I'm like... What the fuck are you doing, boys? And at least this one has a happy ending. So just like personal story from the game is what I wanted to start with. How did you watch it the first time? I was at the Waco- the then Wachovia Center watching it with a whole bunch of pals. And the thing that was like, did you That's go to that? That's awesome. I did not. No, I was, uh, I was, you were among the 10,000 in the stadium. That's great. I took a trip 
to Milwaukee because as one does because I thought I thought the series was going to be over. <laughs> so the thing that was super wild about that whole experience is that it was clear from the second that you got into the building that they were not expecting a ton of people to show up for this watch party. Like they kind of seemed to have it set up such that like the center ice sections of the lower bowl would be filled with people yeah. watching this game. Yeah. They didn't have very many concessions open. They didn't have a whole bunch of security guards. And then all of a sudden, like I would say it solid two thirds of that building was full of people. They called just it there over on the broadcast last night. They said over 10,000. I believe it for sure. Like the whole lower bowl was filled and then there were people upstairs too. And it just became very quickly, um, like this giant bowl of shared emotions where we were just all going through it. And it was, I'm never going to forget it. I mean, like the, the level of like high-fiving and hugging strangers that went on that day for me was like unprecedented. And I'm not sure I'll ever repeat it, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I, I don't know that they'll ever do anything like that again, but I, it was a fun time for sure. Well, they got like, I remember once it got to the Stanley cup final, and the Flyers were like, oh, shit, we're going to draw 10,000 plus. Like, in mm-hmm. the final, we're going to sell this thing out. I think the next year, the league imposed the rule, like, you're allowed to do one per round. Yep. Because it was killing their TV rating. <laughs> which is such like, nonsense. Because, which is like, hilarious. It's it's hilarious to think that, like, 12,000 people screw up the fucking ratings for the NHL. How many Nielsen boxes are in that fucking stadium yeah, during the yeah, game? Like, come on. I know. But it, it's Silly. nuts. Yeah, it must have been... Uh, I was living in Philly at the time. I was living at my awesome place at 11th and Wallace that I just loved and couldn't afford, but was living there mm-hmm. anyway. And my friends must have come over for game two or three because, uh, you know, it's the series is looking over. And we find out that the uh, the Phillies are going to be playing a series against the Milwaukee Brewers in Milwaukee where they're going to be wearing the powder blue jerseys. This is like before they wore them all the mm-hmm. time. And we're like, screw it. Let's just go. Like, how much could it possibly cost to fly to Milwaukee? And we looked it up, and it wasn't much. So <laughs> so we just booked it. And my one buddy, Mike, uh, if you've seen the video uh, of me asking someone to be my best, my best man by breaking into his house, basically, and saying, you're my best man, asshole. I really enjoyed that, uh, by the way. <laughs> that's great. my friend, Mike. Uh, he was like, guys, just to throw it out there, um... Game one of this series, when they're wearing the jerseys, would be game seven of the Flyers series. And they just fell down 2 or 3-0. I was like, dude, I really don't think we're going to have to worry about that. You know, fast forward two weeks, and there we are at the Miller Park TGI Fridays, and the Flyers are falling down, and these these well-mannered Midwesterners are terrified <laughs> that these drunk assholes from Philly are going to, like, destroy their their ballpark bar if the Flyers lose. And they're just <laughs> buying us drinks, not realizing they're making the situation far worse. Way worse. And I tweeted the story last night. My buddy Frank and I have a tradition. Whenever one team's season ends, uh, we we take a shot and toast to the next season, uh, next season up. So I get us two shots. I say, yo, Frankie, go Phils. And he goes, not yet. The series was 3-0-2. What a fucking legend. I'm like, yeah, all right, (laughs) sure. I'll hold out hope a little bit. 
JVR scores that goal, and it's like, all right, they got one before the end of the first. Let's see what they do. And then chaos chaos unfolds. And you know they end up No, go, go. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, just because you mentioned the first goal, just it wasn't even just the goal. It was the fact that it came at, like, it's some, like, Disney sports movie bullshit where it comes after a perfectly called timeout in which your coach says, in a way that we can all read on his lips, just one goal. Just, just one. Just one. And then I, he goes so out and good. scores it. And it's like, it's, ah. it's- LaViolette had already won a Stanley Cup and American-born coaches who've had that kind of success, uh, there aren't many. But that game makes him a legend. Yeah. Uh, like, it, it's the, the fact that they didn't go on to win the Cup it drives me insane. Insane. You don't, you don't do all that to fucking lose, but hey, that's Philly, I guess. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, Rocky loses, Rocky won, so I, I suppose that's us. Uh, it, it just, but that, that timeout and all that. And that's, that's what I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get into some of the memories of that run. Mm. Like, did you go to any of the other games at the, uh, at the center for that? So 2010 was probably the best time I'm ever going to have as a Flyers fan, because at the time my little sister, Kim worked in uh ticket sales for Comcast Spectacor and for some reason, I don't know what it was about this season, but for some reason, she could always get super cheap club box tickets, like $65 a game. Oh, shit. And so I ended up, they weren't always that cheap, but because she, I kind of had an in for tickets, like she could ask for tickets. Like, for for example, I got to go to the Winter Classic that year because they had like a lottery at her work for Winter Classic tickets. And she was like, I don't fucking want these, but she ended up getting them and then I got to go. So, like, I had all kinds of, like, super lucky insider tracks to tickets that season. I got to go to every single home game of that playoff run. That's incredible. So, were you there the night they lost the cup? I sure was. And I will never, ever, ever, ever forget how it happened. So, I was at the other end of the ice in the corner. So, I was far away from where it happened. And sitting next to me for this game were a guy... And his son, who was maybe like seven, eight, they were from Toronto. And this guy, every year, takes his kid to one Stanley Cup final game. <laughs> Doesn't matter where it is, whatever, that's, they go to a Stanley Cup final game, which is fucking wild. That's incredible. So I'm sitting there. I went to this game by myself because there aren't a lot of people that were willing. I think, I, I think that game cost like $300. It was something stupid. So sure. I went by myself. And... I remember just sitting there watching, and then the guy turned to me and goes, "Up, oh, sorry about that." And he like got up and left because his kid was like super tired. And I was like, "What? Sorry for what? Like, what are you, you talking about?" Because I had no idea that Kane had scored that goal. Like it, it was like as it happened. I think it took a solid minute before everyone in that building realized what had happened. It was uh. That's it was yeah. it's. To this day, the craziest, worst ending to one of the best stories ever. Yeah. But and that's like watching that game last night. I had the the emotions of how awesome that was, and the emotion I had for all those players because I freaking loved that team. I, I loved it I, so much. Oh, it was the God. perfect combination of guys, and then also the hindsight of man, I know how this ends, and it really sucks that like. 
JVR is back. Giroux has been here the whole time. And those are the only guys left with a yeah. chance to raise the cup as Flyers after a run like that, like a core like that that you just thought was going to be together for so long. Uh, but I want to talk about one of those core players now, and it starts uh, starts with Danny B. I Danny always loved B. Danny Briere. Everyone did. Um, he chose to come here. And sure, they gave him a big bag of money, and he was trying to cash in after his time in Buffalo. But the fact that he came here, the Flyers went 22 and fucking 60. They won 22 games. And then Danny Briere came here, and they fixed it in one year. They go to the Eastern Conference Final the next year. And Danny B was always just Mr. Playoff. He scores the game-tying goal in this game, uh, make it 3-3, send it to OT. It's round two, it's game seven. He has seven goals. Six of them in the first two rounds changed the lead. Either put them ahead, tied the game. Man, I know like we talk about, oh, well, yeah, his playoff plus minus and this and that. His goals were always fucking big. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like the stats nerds will tell you that like those goals aren't any more important than the goals that came before it. They sure do feel like it. Yeah. And he was always, like, not only was he always good for everything about it, like, his his Sally was just, like, so good. So, like, when he scored a goal, like, yeah, you did. You felt it. Like, you wanted to fist pump your fist through the fucking wall. Everything about him was great. He was chippy like in a really dirty way which when he's on your yeah like kind of fun i think a lot of people forget is uh like how did he play at that size he played at that size because if you got near him he had no problem spearing you yep or slashing your wrists or doing whatever like he he wasn't you know just a super finesse player he was that but also will slash your fucking ankles and knock you down if he can't catch you no, he was never getting that Lady Bing award. Like that no. wasn't happening. <laughs> no. And it's it's God, I really did love that team. I I was thinking about it last night. I t- I think I tweeted about it. I'm never going to love a team that much again. I know there's no way. No, it, the I always want to watch like a guy's whole career and the young guys on that team, we'd seen their whole careers. Mm-hmm. Like Richards is new, JVR is new, Carter is new, Giroux is new. Uh, and it was just, it was just, you had a bunch of veterans, uh, like Kimo, who everyone just loved, Chris Pronger, who, man, it, it was his first freaking year, and you fell in love with the guy. He's a mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. Uh, something I wanted to talk about, though, uh, that I completely forgot about. The go-ahead goal, the game-winning goal, is scored on the power play by Simone Gagne, uh, it, 12.52 into the third period. But with 5.14 left in the second, it sure as hell looked like they went ahead. I totally uh, forgot about that. Yeah, I completely blanked on this one. And Bill Clement breaking down the film like it's the (laughs) Zapruder film. And he's just like, well, if you timestamp this one and then you show the other ankle and you show the other angle and you show where his pad is and where the puck hits him in the pad... Man, I, we all love Bill Clement, and like you all can't see me right now, but Kelly's looking at me. Uh, listen, this stash is Bill Clement. That's why I do it. Um, we all love him, but like textbook great analysis sounding like the smartest guy in the room 
isn't always his forte. He was straight no. up Bill Clement private investigator on this one. It was hilarious. And then it was also hilarious that um, after they reviewed it and said no goal, that both he and JJ were like, oh, well, I guess I guess they must have different angles than we have. Yeah. Because they were just like we'll so We'll see shocked. all the angles tomorrow. So shocked that they didn't actually call it a goal. And it was like, they really were like back into the lefting, that puck into his pad, like yeah. maybe sort of across the line. But it is like, I can't, I'm actually glad that you forgot about it too, because when it happened, I was like, shit, I totally forgot that this happened. And had the Flyers not won that game, we would like, that would be our, who was that baseball player who let the the baseball like, go through his legs? Yeah. Like that would have been. For 30 years, we would have been talking about how they got that call wrong. And it I was thinking the about the I was thinking about Leon Stickle. That's what I was thinking. How, like, <laughs> I don't even remember this game. I never saw it. I wasn't alive. Maybe it was offside. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> but I know this fucking linesman's name because people still tweet me about it. Like, oh, that was Leon. Like, <laughs> I, I, I completely, I had the same reaction. Like, if they had not won this game and I'm watching it back... And they disallow this goal that Bill Clement is convincing me is in. And I'm like, I don't know. It hit him in the pad. Maybe his pad's behind the line if you show the angle. I don't know. Because I always think of the uh, that Tampa, the Tampa-Calgary series where it looked mm-hmm. like Calgary won it in game six. And it's that, like, optical illusion uh, oh, goal yeah. where, like, from the one angle it's in and from the front angle it's not because the puck's on its edge. I always think of that. Like, I don't know. The, it's not 3D. Like, you're not showing me a 3D diagram of this. So I don't <laughs> know what, what cameras do. Like, I'm not that smart. So, But it, just thinking, like, watching that unfold, like, holy shit, they actually scored five. Like, they actually came back in the second period. Uh, but to think, I, I, something else I completely forgot. The penalty that they t- get the go-ahead goal on, and it's it's the uh, the broken play. Simone Gagne, another guy who, man, just deserved a cup here. Seriously. Like, man, just an, like a guy, another guy who just scored big clutch goals. He's playing hurt. JJ the whole game is making a point to tell you, like, hey, man, uh, Simone Gagne's out here. He probably shouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> like something, uh, something I know because I remember when the Kings came back from 3-0, I think against the Ducks, they said Mike Richards is the only guy to do it twice. And everyone was like, what about Jeff Carter? Jeff Carter didn't play in this series. Yeah. Didn't play in this series. But Simone Gagne scores that goal in the power play. It was a too many men penalty. <laughs> In Game 7, tied 3-3, more than halfway through the third period, and they put too many men on the ice. They are. Uh, oh, my God. Like it's, How do you let that happen? I mean, obviously, us being the people that we are, we're not going to say that the reason that the Flyers ended up winning the series is because Boston just fucking lost their minds completely. It's because the Flyers were always the superior team and were destined to win that game. But Boston did kind of lose their shit completely. Like as they lost, like as it got to be like three to one and then three to two, and then we're getting to game seven, they were just crumbling. It was a beautiful if, thing to watch because fuck Boston. If it had been any other team, I don't know if it would have been as satisfying. 
I was uh, there's a there's a great listener of ours, um, Mark Allred, who listens to the show, and he's a he's a Boston podcaster as well. And he was tweeting last night about a game they were showing up in Boston, and I realized like, oh no, obviously all the NBC affiliates aren't going to show this game. <laughs> they're <laughs> they showing some game. They're showing some game that Boston won, and it's I just I always felt as if if they put Tim Thomas into any game in that series. If they just put Tim Thomas in, because the next year, Tim Thomas takes him to the cup. Mm-hmm. They sweep the Flyers. They embarrass the Flyers. They blow up the Flyers. It's the end of this core. Just a year later, uh, if they put Tim Thomas in, this whole thing never happens, but they were running with, they were running with Rask. They yeah. really didn't want to go back to Tim Thomas. And, yeah, it cost them. But just the, yeah, a fucking too many men penalty. But I wanted to get to JVR because... He's a guy we've talked so much about, and he scores the first goal of this thing. He's a rookie. Yep. Scored that huge first goal. Uh, as a sophomore, scores 21. Uh, he's the only one who shows up for that Boston series in 2011. Has seven goals in the 2011 playoffs. 70 shots on goal in two rounds. Good Lord. Uh, 27 in the four games versus Boston. He was everywhere. And then a year after that, he's gone because Mike Holmgren thinks he's soft. <sighs> what a crazy career JVR has had. Like, only signed a contract with this team. He's only signed a contract with the Philadelphia yep. Flyers. Uh, like, second overall pick. Uh, I think that could, like has a case to be the worst trade in, uh, in Flyers history just because... Of every th- of all the ways it went, and then we end up having to sign him again because we need a fucking goal scorer and a winger. Like, yeah. uh, just how could this happen to any other franchise? The JVR thing, getting a second overall pick, giving up on him, and then signing him to a seven million dollar free agent contract. No, that is that's really peak Flyers because we absolutely love a retread but like a retread that you drafted and traded way too early and then had to sign back that is extra hilarious but it's also like it's also thinking back to that team how quickly it went down like from the absolute peak like almost the summit of the hockey mountain they went downhill so fast. And obviously there were a lot of things that happened that no one could foresee. Chief among them, Pronger taking that stick to the face. But, God, it's like they really, really blew it up. And I'm super glad that most of those guys did go into win cups. But I honestly think a lot about how if they hadn't blown it up, they probably would have here. Yeah, and that's the, like... Uh, you can't, like, I, I, I what if it to death? Like, if they don't do this and they don't do that, like, it changes everything and yeah. I butterfly affect it into my head. Like, oh, well, then Pronger doesn't get hurt. Like, yeah, uh, you I know, mean, y- you can't, you can't do it like that. I but know. it does, it does cross my mind. Uh, I want to talk about Mike Richards in a few seconds. Yeah. But first, because that's always, he's the what if guy to me. Yep. But first... So 22-year-old Giroux is out there for the last shift of the game and gets the final clear uh, that leads J.J. to basically be like... And the Flyers, like, they didn't... J.J. and Bill Clement didn't believe it until it was over. I'm, like, yeah. there's three seconds left, and the Flyers clear the zone, and they're like, oh, holy shit, they did it! Like, yeah, <laughs> man, they had, like... They, they did. They, they had the lead in this thing. Uh, but 
when you think about the 2010 playoff run and you think about the shift, I think of one thing, and it's it's Mike Richards, Mike Richards. and skating the length of the ice three times and then scoring that freaking like Bobby Clark-style goal. But Giroux's second-to-last shift in this Ooh. game, 22 years old, he's four-checking, taking on three Bruins at once, winning battle after battle. It was Mike Richards-esque. It was a captain shift. And uh, it was Ryan Gilbert tweeted out a video of it last night uh, at R. Gilbert SOP, and he called it the shift. And shit if it wasn't. It sure was a shift. And I had also forgotten about this. It, it's it's like weird. I don't – when I think of that 2010 team, despite the fact that Drew was one of the only guys left and the only guy that's been here the whole time, I don't think of him. Like, I don't think about Claude Giroux when I think about that run and kind of what made it happen. But watching that game last night, like, even before that shift, he was fucking everywhere on the ice. And he looked amazing on a third line with rookie JVR and Aaron friggin' Asham, like, he looked outstanding. And I don't – I guess it's just because there were so many guys above him that were also playing out of their minds and guys that had no business playing as well as they were, like Dan Carcillo, that kind of outshined, I guess, what Claude Giroux was doing given that he was so young and he wasn't really yet, like, the guy on that team. But yeah, he I was, like – of- I always think of Giroux just in terms of this is what it like that's the kind of depth it takes. Mm-hmm. Like with with Carter out of the lineup, this is what they're running. Gagne, Richards, Carcillo, Hartnell, Briere, Leno, and I think that's the line we all think of. Yeah. Uh when we think of that Hartnell, Briere, Leno. Uh but then, you know, Giroux, JVR and Asham and then Betts, Pow and Nodal with uh with Ian LaPerriere out having taken, you know, a second shot to the face. Uh, so that's your that's your fourth line. That's what they're running. And they they made the point that, oh, we're we're going with the uh, the Flyers are going with five defensemen. Well, oh damn it, I just uh I just lo- oh no, here it is. I looked up the time on ice and it's it, it's even like Ryan Parent played two twenty one in this game. Uh, Lucas Krychek, eight ten, and that's that's what they went with here. So their top defensemen like Chris Pronger, thirty one forty two, Matt Carl twenty six fifty five, Chemo twenty six oh six, Coburn twenty four forty six. They were just running their top yeah. four, and that's what they were going to have to do here. And you just saw him out there like, oh, team, and it's taking a shift with Krychek here. Like, it was just those four, and if we have to get a fifth out there, that's what we're going to do. They just had the horses for this thing, man. Like, a, that's that's the one thing where I think if, even though they blew this up way too early, yeah, I don't know how they come up with the bodies on the blue line because we know what happened to all these guys yeah. as time went on. Matt Carl turned out to not be this good. Braden Coburn, I don't know. You know, he was solid. I don't know if he was ever this guy again. Tiemann aged, Pronger aged, and got hurt. So that was that's kind of the other end of this thing. They didn't have a goalie. We know what happened. The goalie carousel in 2011 led mm-hmm. to the whole thing getting blown up. 
So now this is what I want to get back to. Uh, I asked some questions on Twitter last night. First, uh, this is when I called it the Eastern Conference Final, but (laughs) is there a better, crazier, more memorable, non-Stanley Cup final game than the 2010 Game 7 comeback against Boston? The ones that come to mind are the 5 OT game, the... uh, the game six against the Penguins where Drew had his the shift. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, game six against Tampa with the, the primo comeback and the Gagne goal and all that. Is there anything else that comes close? Uh, no, and uh, those were all great. The only one that even faintly approaches it for me is the 5 OT game just because of the absurdity of it. But I, I don't know how you could possibly top coming back from a 3-0 goal deficit to win game 7 in a series which you were down 3 to nothing against a team that was incredibly good and definitely should have beat you it's like i i just don't know how you can everything about it was perfectly scripted in a storybook way and i yeah, don't like, know how you can beat that that's i wrote down this jj quote if you were to write a, a movie, Hollywood would throw it back at you and call it too hokey. Yeah. And I always, like, that's what I said. That's the one thing, though, is you don't come back to lose like this, and they did. So that's the one thing that makes it, like, not too hokey. But it's, yeah, the poetry of the thing, to be down 3-0 in the series and then 3 nothing in the game and score four straight, like, the fact that it wasn't 7-5 final. That it was 4-3 and they win the series 4 Like, it just lined up in such a weird freaking way. It was so odd. I was so sure they were going to win that year, man. I, I It didn't... After that it, game, I was just so sure. And, to, like, it hurts less, uh, like, a little bit less in hindsight because... Like, like I, I think in like in my head, Chicago is what we were supposed to be. Yeah. Like, they became that dynasty. Yeah. But end of the day they did like they did become a dynasty for like for the cap era that's as close to a dynasty as we're gonna see like freaking Sidney Crosby's Penguins didn't win that many in as many in as few years they didn't uh but something else I asked because we're talking about the depth and we're talking about how some of these guys played watching Matt Carl now listen I, I will never shortchange Chris Pronger I think Chris Pronger is as calling Chris Pronger as a Hall of calling Chris Pronger a Hall of Famer, I think underrates him. Yeah. Like I think he is on the Mount Rushmore of NHL defensemen. I always say this. Since the nineteen forties, two defensemen have won MVP awards. One of them is named Bobby Orr, who has a case for best player in league history. I don't care what the numbers say. Freaking Bobby Orr, if he played today, would be the most sought after player. And Chris Pronger's the other one. Those are the only defensemen that have won freaking MVPs. Yeah. So, Carl playing with him, pretty pretty big for Carl, but it's not like he didn't play well. So, the 2009-10 version of Matt Carl, who we blame for everything as his career went on, Matt Carl's fault is a running joke still, He that the 2009-10 version of Carl would be the ex-best defenseman on the 2019-20 Flyers. Where would, who would you put him ahead of on this in this lineup? I I mean, easy answer, Robert Haig. He's definitely <laughs> above Robert Haig in the lineup. I think that 
2010 playoffs version of Matt Carl, I would definitely slot above current version Phil Myers and current version Shane Gostisbehere. Like if we're teleporting 2010 Matt Carl into the present and I'm making a lineup for the playoffs for the Flyers, he would probably, I think, be the four. Yeah, and that's on this. T- that's I wanted to see like all the responses because everyone everyone turned on Matt Carl. Like I, I listen, I stick up. I I always say like in post games when people make jokes about Carl, he was better than you remember. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I I, I will absolutely own. Like I think it was for Bleacher Report. I wrote an article like going into a season, saying if we give Bruno Gervais uh, Matt Carl's Matt oh, Carl's man. minutes. He'll put up the exact same numbers. I hate this guy. Like, oh so man, I, I am I am not immune to the bad Matt Carl takes, but I always say he's better than uh, he's better than you remember. But a lot of people, to my surprise, had him slotted in at number four. Obviously, yeah. obviously Provorov. You know, Niskanen has been very steady for us, and Travis Sanheim. Um, listen, I don't even know uh, like. Travis Sanheim's ceiling is absolutely better than Matt Carl. I don't know if Sanheim reaches it every night, but I think I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying Sanheim is better. Yeah. Um, Phil Myers, again, ceiling, absolutely. Like, right. The Phil Myers version three years from now is going to be better than Matt Carl. But I'm talking about the 2019-20 team, and I think that's where Carl yeah. probably would slide in and be on that second pair as your number four. I, I totally agree with you, and I don't know if I'm hijacking what you're going to next, but... Oh, no, go for it. Out of curiosity, because I have been thinking a lot about this. I was thinking about it a lot before the season even died, about how I think... I don't know how many people agree that the current team, the, the 1920 Flyers, are, like, I just think objectively better than that 2010 team that went on that run. And I think that the reason that people don't just come to that conclusion immediately is because, as you said, the top-end talent on that 2010 team was, like, Hall of Fame level. Like, Chris Pronger, as your number one defenseman, you're not going to be able to top that, probably. Um, That's not really a conversation. And then you have guys like Briere and Gagne and these guys that were kind of established core players and we have that now as well like I just I I'm curious to know if you think that this current version of the Flyers is better than that one or it's it's so I'm trying like I I had this response because you tweeted basically like that last night and I typed out a response and then I was like, oh, no, wait, we're doing the podcast in the morning. Don't waste this on Twitter, <laughs> dummy. This is content. Uh, but, like, while Leighton was great in getting the Flyers there uh, to the Stanley Cup final, I think the difference between Leighton and Hart is the greatest difference between any others in the lineup yeah. except Pronger yeah. versus Provorov. And that's not a knock on Provorov. It's just that Pronger is that fucking good. Like, every right, that's team the thing. He- Every team Pronger played for went to at least the conference final, like, for a decade. It happened. Like, he was playing 35 minutes a night for those Blues teams, uh, that Edmonton team, that greasy-ass Jason Smith Edmonton team went to the Stanley Cup final. Like, they just, he did it all the time. 
Uh, other than that, like they had this team has a goalie. It's hard for me to compare the blue lines because of because of Pronger and because of how well regarded team it is. But like right now, I am fu- as as crazy as this is to say because we just said we take Matt Carl, who we who I blame for everything, including global warming, <laughs> until Andrew McDonald got here. Like the third pair now with Robert Haig and uh, and Justin Braun. They'd get more than two minutes a night. I'll tell you that. Oh my God, I would take I would take two Robert Hags on their worst yeah. nights against that parent Krychek pair. I can remember the way I'd that take my Robert body Haig with his. I'd take Robert Hag with his skates on the wrong feet yes. over parent and Krychek. Whenever that third pairing would get onto the ice during that playoff run, I like my body would just clench because I knew. Like, if the other team is going to score, it's going to be now. What are they oh, going to yeah. do to fuck up? Like, they were just so bad. And that's the thing. Like, this team currently, I just feel like, has a more evenly distributed level of talent. That's where- Oh, just look like looking at the what the lines are, the forward lines especially. Yeah. Like, go down the right wings with Carcillo and Leno on the first two lines. Um, TK and Jake Voracek. Yeah, that like, right. I'm taking say what that you all will day. about say what you will about Richards and Briere, like Couturier and uh, Kevin Hayes, not better bad. than them. Yeah, like they're just as good. Well, I don't know. I'm not ready to call anybody better than Mike Richards just yet Ugh. at this point in history. But I will acknowledge that you have an argument to be made. Uh, no, I, <laughs> listen. I think Mike Richards is like my favorite flyer ever. I like watching that game I last love him night so much. I just freaking god damn it and that's this is uh for anyone listening to this spoiler we have some we have some content coming to you uh, that I alluded to on Wednesday's show we've been talking about ways to just keep pumping stuff out to you guys during this uh, time of you know sheltering in place and social distancing and no sports uh we're going to have some content for you and one of those things is the return of yelling about sports Ooh. and it's going to be basically me yelling nonsense and either Kelly or Charlie, or Steph yelling back at me with <laughs> logic and reason. Um, and one of the things I want to talk to Charlie about, uh, that it, well, it's one of the things I'm going to throw at Charlie, basically, this week, I think we're recording on Thursday, um, more of a what-if career. Eric Lindros or Mike Richards? And honestly, to me, it's Mike Richards. I, You know what? I, I thought about this when I saw it in the outline. And and I feel like initially, like the visceral is like, well, Lindros, of course. Yeah, because Lindros's what if is he could have been the best ever. That's the thing. Like he he very but he well, still went to the Hall of Fame. Right. So I feel like Eric Lindros. It was just that. Oh God, it's it's just I can't remember a time before, or really up until this season, that. We had a, a core that was homegrown that we had seen grow with the team that won a Calder Cup with the Phantoms that I was so sure that this was like I think we all did. We all thought that Richards and Carter were gonna retire flyers and they were gonna have cups with them when they did. Oh and my the God. fact that it just didn't happen and the way like I still I still like can't have a proper conversation about what happened to him in LA because I get so mad. Yeah. 
But and like, listen, I, yeah. I I get I get the trades that happened, and I am so thankful for getting to watch Wayne Simmons prime and Sean Couturier is our one C. He's going to win a Selkie. I always, um, I always mix up who we got for who. Who did we get for Richards? Richards was Braden Shen and Wayne Simmons. See now, and I'm going to be Carter, honest. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I would. I could do without that. I would undo that trade. Me if too. you asked me today, I would undo that trade. I, and I know that Shen and Simmons, especially Simmons, got, went on to do good things here. But I would undo that trade all day. The Carter yeah, one, I, no. I, yeah. I, that's that's like – when when I talk about like a what if, to me I always compare Eric Lindros to uh, to Ken Griffey Jr. I know you don't baseball, Kelly, but Ken Griffey I, Jr. I know like – yeah, 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 exactly. Everyone knows Ken Griffey. Like, his yeah. ceiling was best ever. He got hurt a lot after his prime and never really got there. But you know what he still was? A fucking Hall of Famer. He's like, Everyone knows he was. He's a household name. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, you know, he's in freaking Little Big League. Like, he's, he's Ken Griffey Jr. He still at least reached his potential somewhat. Eric Lindros is the same way, and it was injuries that held him back more than anything. Yeah, his his crazy parents and uh, partying and shit, kind of like Richards, also played a part. But it was mostly the concussions that held Lindros back. And Mike Richards, man, he could he have been a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. But he could have been the most beloved captain since Bobby Clark. Oh, without like, question. Th- those history will be made. And the, like, what if Richie didn't play like Clarky? All that, like, my God. That shit, like, will choke me up to this day watching it. Yeah. And to think he could have had 10 more years here like that. And it just ended. Like, this game, I said, this was, what, May 14th, 2010. And by what? The next year, when was the last game against Boston in 2011? As I bring it up, the schedule from that year. Come on. Load for me here. Schedule and results. Show me the playoffs, damn it. (laughs) 5-6-2011. So less than 365 days later, it was over. Like, from the highest of highs to we got swept, Richards didn't hang around to talk to the media, and that was it. Time to go. Oh, just freaking incredible. Uh, the goalie thing always drives me nuts because, again, like, Leighton was great in getting them here, and then he comes out, Boosh, you know, gets gets hurt, and Leighton goes back in. You asked here, do you think the Flyers win in 2010 if Boosh didn't get hurt? What do you think? I think, I think yes. I think that – so in Michael Leighton's defense – in my memory, he I, – I didn't remember how good he was. Let me put it that way. Um, and someone pointed out to me on Twitter, especially just how good he was in the Montreal series that came after this Boston one. And I did, admittedly, forget that he was – he did actually play well for long stretches during those playoffs. But I just feel like with Leighton, he was the kind of goalie, and obviously it was borne out, that – could be quite good, but was always also good for a softie here and there because he wasn't actually that good. Like when he was playing out of his mind and winning games for you, he was doing exactly that. Like that wasn't his true talent level. He was just playing outstanding hockey, which happens with goalies. They go on hot streaks. But I don't think he was actually that good. Whereas Boosh, I feel like 
A, could have easily gotten just as hot, especially given the way the team was playing in front of him. And I just feel like he's more of a steady, he would have been more of a steady, reliable goaltending choice that you wouldn't necessarily have to worry so much about the kind of soft goal that lost everything for us. More than anything, I'm glad that I get to say, yeah, I think they would have won with Boosh because I like Boosh. Me too. And I get to blame Leighton. So, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad about that. That I, like, Boucher, I, I thought, like, Boucher's one of those guys I followed his whole career. Yeah. He was a Phantom uh, when I had Phantom season tickets. He was backing up Neil Little that, like, it was, it was, I, I just like Boosh. And yep. his rookie year where he makes the fucking save against the Devils. He had a history of coming through in the playoffs, but I will give it to I will give it to Layton. Like in the t- uh, with the Flyers in the 2009-10 regular season, he went 16-5 and two with a 9.18 save percentage and a 2.48 goals against. Pretty decent. Yeah. In the 2009-10 playoffs, what 9.16 with a 2.46 and three shutouts. But if you look at what he did, and that's like the I, I always call the the series ending goal the worst goal ever scored. Like it's a heartbreaker. But the one that the game that always gets me is game one against Chicago. Mm. The Flyers scored five in game one on the road. You need to win yeah, that game. Yeah, you gotta win that game. Michael Layton gives up five goals on twenty shots. Yeah. Unbelievable. He was. Uh, let me see if it lets me. What were his numbers in this series? Two and two with an eight seven six. Like, god damn it, dude. And I just don't. He know. gave up twenty goals in six games. They started him again in game two, right? Yes. That's a thing. Like once. That's a thing. Like once you get. It doesn't matter how badly a goalie shits the bed in a game in the finals. Like you're not gonna switch. You're just not. Yeah, and it's. What do you and he played decent in game two and it, 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 it Chicago was really good. They were really good. Yeah, and it's just I like I'm glad I get to blame Leighton because I like Bush. Bush is a good commentator. He's a he's a good historical flyer. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy about it. Um, fuck Leighton, man. God damn it. And then they bring him back in 2011. Like that freaking thing. As crazy as pursuing Brzezgalov was. Peter Laviolette is, and I just said, uh, you know, a little bit ago, Peter Laviolette became a legend because of that timeout against Boston. But a year later, he's as much to blame for this thing going wrong as anybody. 100%. He really fucked things up the way that he handled the goaltenders. It, It was just like looking back on it now, it's almost... It's kind of remarkable that he handled it as badly as he did, considering that he doesn't seem to be a bad hockey coach. But it was just so bungled that, it, yeah, it, it really did kind of precipitate what did it. It was because Snyder wanted a big-name goaltender. That was it. Like, that was the decision that led to everything getting fucked up. And the only reason Snyder wanted a big-name goaltender is because LaViolette completely screwed up the goalie situation for the entire length of the season before. And, like, they had a goalie. Yeah. They had a rookie who was so damn good. I'm trying to bring up the what happened in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, goddamn, go away. 
we had three different goalies start a game. Boosh started seven games in 2011, uh, 3-1-3 goals against and a 9-0-4. Bob started, play, Bob's played in six games and started only three. He had an 8-7-7 and a 3-2-3. Michael Layton played in two, started one, had an 8-62 save percentage. God damn, how did he get back? How did he ever get to put on a Flyers uniform after giving up that goal in 2010? I, you can't do that. It's, I don't know, man. And the Bob thing is so weird because it's hard to hindsight that one because, like, did they handle him poorly when he was a rookie? Oh, yeah, for sure. They definitely didn't do with his career what they ought to have. But would he have been as good? Like, would he have popped up into that Vezina level goaltender here the way that he did in Columbus? I don't know. And then now he sucks. So now it's like, if we had, like, if he had been good here and we hadn't won a cup for some other reason, and then we signed him to a fucking 10 year, $70 million contract and we're stuck with this guy instead of having Carter Hart to play, like, Oh, that would be bad. Would yeah, not no, enjoy that's, that. <laughs> like, we were talking, I think, on Wednesday's show about Lundquist and how, like, maybe he isn't the best every year, but he's top two or three in everything every year. He's just that steady, like, through his prime. That hasn't been Bob. As much as, like, as much as we bungled that thing and we should have just held on to Bob Rovsky and all that, like, his ceiling is Vezina winner. Yeah. But he's not he's not consistent. No. He, when he's down, he's down and he has up and it's not game to game. Like it's year to year. He has down seasons. And they're not good when when he's not good. Uh so it's yeah, it, it is tough. It's I wonder if he would ever have reached that peak here and given our history with the position. No, probably freaking Right. Not. And also, I mean at the time, we're talking about a team that had just gone to the final. Like, they're probably organizationally, with good reason, in we are going to win this now mode yeah. with this group of players. So the likelihood that they were going to develop a goal. Like, it's different now because Carter Hart, we got him at the time that the whole rest of the team essentially is developing. So they're all moving along at the same time. Whereas before, it was a team that was ready to win now and they had a goaltender that they would have needed to coddle into development for three or four seasons before he reached his potential and that didn't line up so I don't know if it was ever going to happen here but it definitely if you're not going to go with that the way that they handled it wasn't the way yeah (laughs) that's like and just now even with like this team it looks like you know, before sports got canceled and the world ended, uh, like Carter Hart coming along at a quick pace. They're doing a good job of, de- of developing him. They have a lot of young guys they're bringing along too. I also just trust the idea of them developing players now. Yeah. Like, they, it, that still at this point wasn't them. That's not who they were. They didn't develop guys. They went and got Danny Briere. They went and got Chris Pronger. They went and got Kimo Tiemann, and, like, that's what they did. Yeah. And it was win now. Like, that was – the Flyers have been in win, mount, win now mode except maybe, like, until 2014. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. So it, it, it does line up differently, and I don't know if they would have been able to bring Bob along. Kelly, this was fun. 
This was fun. I can't believe, like, I was, like, doing this, and then I was like, all right, this will be, like, 35 minutes. And How I long just have looked we in, talked? Yeah, it's, like, we're closing in on an hour here. Hot damn. Look yeah. at us go. Uh, just overall, <laughs> like, you said you'll never love a team like this. Yeah, I don't think I will. Do you, like, do you think the current, like, iteration can grow on you? Uh, like this one did. Like, uh, it sucks now. Like, it's hard to speculate about because yeah. the fucking, we don't know if there's even going to be a rest of this season. But, like, this is a great, this is a great first start. And it was a little different with this team because, hell, like, remember, uh, like, I know you watched it. That's why I wanted to do, like, this, the Calder Cup mm-hmm. during the lockout. Mm-hmm. Watching Richards and Carter and that NHL team go to win a Calder God, freaking so, cup. It was so fun. <laughs> Oh, my God. Looking oh, at God, that roster so is hilarious. They legitimately like, it, had an NHL team. Like, no one like, else had a shot. RJ Umberger, yes. Yoni Pitkinen. Like, they had <laughs> so many NHL players. Antero Ninamaki. Mm-hmm. Like, so many guys. Even if they weren't, like, stars. Yeah, pretty damn good NHL. Yes. <laughs> like, it was so freaking funny to see what they put out on the ice. But we watched those guys, and... It seems like we're getting a chance to do that now. And just, like, I'm getting more of an emotional attachment to this team because freaking TK is so much fun. And the more I just think about Giroux's career, like, watching this game really put his career in perspective for me. Like, holy shit, here he was, 22, on this team, doing what he, like, showing for the first time, like, this was was what Claude Giroux was going to turn into. He hadn't reached his potential yet, and during these playoffs, it was like, man, Giroux could be that guy, and two years later, he is the guy. We He shows he's, oh yeah, he can be a first-line player, and we ship out our two franchise players hoping <laughs> that Giroux is that guy, and it turns out it, it was true. Yeah. Yeah, so I, like, don't get me wrong, this team, our current team... I like more than I've liked any Flyers team since the 2010 team. I mean, it's not, unfortunately, it's not a super high bar to clear because yeah. there were a lot of dark no, years in there. But we've hated the team for a while. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I loved that roster apart from the playoff run specifically because I loved Mike Richards so much. But if we're being honest, like the reason why that team is so highly regarded is because of the run that they went on. And it's incredibly likely, which is the thing that pisses me off more than anything, is it's incredibly likely that this team could have done something similar. And I yeah. think that if they had, if they go on to do that, it, then it's it's very, very likely that this team will be just as beloved as that one because this team is filled with likable guys. And they're good and a lot of them were drafted and develop it, developed by the Flyers, which makes them even more kind of, like, lovable as hockey players. So it's this this team has the potential, I think, to rise to that level if, if they can do the kind of thing that that team did. And I think they can because I think they're better talent-wise. Yeah, and that's the, like, 2010, they were, like, everyone, oh, they needed, you know, they were the seventh seed and they needed the last day of the season – like, yeah, but they also were really good, and John Stevens got fired because they were 500. Yeah. Like, it's not like they sucked to start the year, but, like, they go out and get, like, they had gone, you know, in 08, they go to the conference final, first year back out of, you know, the awful season, and then they lose to Pittsburgh, and the next year they're good again, but they run into Pittsburgh in the first round. Fucking Pittsburgh. 
in 2010, they just didn't run into Pittsburgh or Washington, so they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Like, if it wasn't just this year, it was also, like, the culmination, and then they kept adding missing pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, well, let's go get this. Okay, we brought up some young guys. We, we went and traded for a number one defenseman. We did all these things, and it culminated in this, and... This team, this current team, I think to get to this level just needs that time, uh, yeah. and they'll they'll show us if they come through. If they, coming through in clutch situations, that's what we have to see. We have to see if these guys can score clutch goals, make big plays, win these big games, these must-win game sevens on the road. If they do that, they will be thought of like this. Yep. Yep. Give me one Kevin Hayes, Mike Richards style shorty in the playoffs and I'm fucking on board. Exactly. Give me TK (laughs) like on a wraparound like Danny Briere. Yeah. And then chirping the hell out of whoever he scored on. Like, oh, yeah. Just pointing it like just pointing it to (laughs) grass. Like I was in grade school when we did this to you last time. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Jesus. Uh, Oh, we got a quick Kelly. Yeah, so uh, I think that's it. I think we ran through this thing. I think this was pretty good. Good times. Um, I like this. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. That's gonna set up a, a show like this again. But I, I think it, I think it went pretty well. It was fun. Did you see the thing I sent you with Sam Roberts live watching cats and commenting? Oh on it? no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I I put it in the Slack chat. It was a uh, he. I guess he was like Twitch streaming. I guess oh, it's the cats only way the you movie. Can do that. Yeah, 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 cats yeah, yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, the only way you're going to get me to watch that movie is if you send me some powerful oh, no. psychedelic drugs. Not that movie. Oh, A okay. movie. Okay. That format. I don't want to fucking watch Cats, and you can't make me. I'm not going to do it. So not that movie, but like A movie. Okay. Uh, and we should we get Steph. We have to get Steph on that one because she hates all movies. So it would just be hilarious. That, that's why I wanted movie. to. Uh, I wanted. I always thought it would be funny to do a music show with Charlie because I hate music. <laughs> I don't hate all like. I don't hate music. That's fun. Like, I just. <clears throat> I like what I. <clears throat> Jesus Christ! I'm dying. <clears throat> I like what I like, and I think pretty much everything else is terrible. Right. Uh, and I just say like, ah, this. <laughs> like my music review is this fucking sucks. Like that's what I think about most music. It would be so funny to make Charlie like Charlie talk about Pearl Jam albums for two and a half hours on a podcast. Yeah. I'm sure he like, would die. All, uh, all like, prestige movies. Like, pretty much any movie that wins an Academy Award. I'm like, ah, this, this was 90 minutes too long. <laughs> Fucking sucked. Oh, God. We're never going to run all out right. of content, folks. No, we aren't. We will not run out of content for all of you people. Don't worry. This is how we entertain ourselves, by entertaining you. Like I've said all along, I can't stop doing this because then I'd have to pay for therapy, and I'm not going to do that because how would I pay for beer? So we're going to keep bringing you content. I hope you enjoyed today's uh, getting in the way back machine and doing a post game from the 2010 Game 7 Eastern Conference semifinals against Boston. Flyers come back from 3-0 in the series and 3-0 in the game to go to the Eastern Conference final and, you know, beat the shit out of Montreal because they did our (laughs) dirty work for us. And Go pretty dead. Go to Game Six in overtime in the Stanley Cup Final, only for Michael Layton to crush our hopes and dreams and Patrick Kane. But we don't need to get into all that. We can just remember that run fondly for what it was now, and look forward to the current team, hopefully doing something for us again. It's been a long time, Kelly, and hopefully time. we see it again. That is all the time we have for you on this edition of Post Game. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. 
Hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends. We are not dead. We are still here. We're going to be bringing you content. Uh, we're not going to slow down too much. So thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. For Kelly Hinkle, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody.